the question is, should a convicted double killer be given leniency because, well, at some point in his ancestry, he had an indigenous grandmother? Because there's a case before the courts right now in Toronto, and it's in the sentencing phase. And we're hearing the arguments on why a cold-blooded killer should be granted leniency because on his maternal side, eight generations back, he had indigenous heritage. His grandmother was native. And back in 1999, Canada's top court ruled that judges must consider the effects of systematic discrimination when sentencing for an indigenous offender. But would he qualify? I mean, I don't think so. And we're talking about a known gangbanger a guy who shot and killed two men in July of 2016. They were walking up Spadina. They were walking in downtown Toronto. All they did was ask him for directions. And instead of helping them, he pulled out a gun and shot them as many as seven to eight times. And now we're learning what sentence he'll get. He was convicted of second-degree murder. That should get him life. But now they're tinkering over the parole. 12 years, 13 years, 15 years. The defense wants parole eligibility in 12 years. Excuse me, what? For two murders? Well, yes, of course. He deserves leniency, don't you know? This is one of those good intentions that I think can be exploited if we are not careful. Let's bring Joe Newberger into this conversation. He is, of course, our global news radio legal expert. And Joe, you and I probably not going to agree on this case, maybe. Uh, we're talking about a guy who killed... Two men walking on the street, shot as many as eight times. They didn't do anything wrong, and we're to believe this guy should be given leniency? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, okay, we no, agree. I agree with you, yeah. I mean, I know um, uh, Sid Freeman's arguing on behalf of her client that because there's this, you know, distant Aboriginal or Indigenous roots that, uh, you know, play into the Gladue rulings and the principles, that the uh, minimal parole eligibility should be 12 years because of alleged, uh, you know, alleged systemic generational trauma. That's nice, but that's not always going to apply in cases, even with those who have far more, um, you know, connected uh, roots in the Indigenous community. You have to look at the, the nature of the offense itself, and this was a brazen homicide. So the reality is here, I, I cannot see um, this individual receiving leniency because of such a remote connection to indigenous roots and this was a very senseless two senseless killings where i think the parole ineligibility is going to be quite high as it should be i mean this is i'm sure this is one of those rulings that is designed with good intentions but can very easily i think be manipulated certainly in today's uh you know age and certainly if we're going to go down this road i think everybody could probably find in their ancestry some you know, roots that date back enough. But to suggest eight generations back, again, this reminds me of, you know, the Terry Lynn McClintock, where you're taking advantage of loopholes or, or, or rulings that are aimed to actually help other people. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think judges do a fairly good job of putting into perspective when you apply gluteal principles and you don't. So, you know, and in cases that are this particularly heinous, where there is a significant record as well, I really, and, and Justice McDonnell is a very experienced, intelligent judge. Uh, I don't think he'll fall prey to, um, you know, some really crazy type of leniency in this case. I just don't see that happening. No, and, and I've got the same kind of, of faith uh, because I think when, when questioned on this and, and debating the arguments, I don't think the judge was uh, was taking it all that seriously. But, I mean, look, we're talking second-degree murder convictions. He should be in for at least... 
25 years. I don't even think they're going to do consecutive sentencing with this. So he should consider himself lucky if he gets eligible for parole in 25 years. Oh, I agree with you. In this case, if the judge doesn't apply consecutive sentencing and he gets anything less than 25, he's going to be doing very, very well. But I could easily see this being in the range of 20 to 25 years as parole ineligibility. Absolutely in this case. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be giving him any breaks. This guy has a long rap sheet, uh, has never shown a second of remorse. Um, You know, again, that's an earned thing. Yeah. You know, that... I agree with you. But again, the other thing is parole ineligibility is just the period in which you you're not allowed to apply for parole. So even if he applies at let's say, let's say it's 18 years, that doesn't mean that the individual has any chance of getting that parole. And in fact, you know, he could apply each time it comes up, but never get it Mm. for 25 or 30 years. So and that happens. Parole is denied. If somebody has an unrelenting criminal record, there isn't really any meaningful change while in custody. These are really two very heinous, senseless homicides. This person, regardless of parole and eligibility, will be spending a significant amount of time in jail, if ever seeing daylight again. That would be my, my choice. But uh, I'm not a judge, nor am I a jury, nor am I a lawyer, for a reason. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit because uh, you know it didn't take long for lawyers to start piping up on uh, social media about this. But Andrew yeah. Shear coming out today, and he's kind of laying out some of the planks of what he will run on. And I think this will be, in fact, popular, albeit I don't think it goes nearly far enough. But he wants to impose tougher sentences for those convicted of child sex abuse. Um, and he would impose yeah. a five-year mandatory minimum jail sentence. And... I, I know that lawyers hate this. This is a page right out of the Harper book, but people also hate people that touch children. Yeah, but, you know, again, I, I'm so sad to see this because, you know, frankly, I, I think we, we need some meaningful change uh, at the federal level. But this is a problem, and this is the same type of uh, silliness that went on with the Harper government. It will not survive constitutional scrutiny. Judges do sentence serious offenders with serious offenses to a long period of jail. This is just pandering for the purposes of politics. It is meaningless. And in fact, what it will result in is constitutional challenges to mandatory minimum sentences being struck down again, delaying cases, resulting in cases being stayed. This is such unnecessary verbiage. We don't need this. There are very stiff. The case law on sentencing for serious sexual offenses involving children is very robust. It's not a, people don't walk away from this. This is such a misguided inf- uh, message to the community. It really bothers me. And this will do nothing to assist the criminal justice system or mete out what, what he may consider to be just sentences. It's just political pandering, which is just unnecessary. Well, I'll, I'll take I'll take the other side of this because I've covered enough sex assault cases against children to see that it is generally a revolving door kind of crime. You see the same people going in and out and in and out. And the offenses are not always the same. It could be a minor violation, but sometimes they're very, very destructive. And Well, they're always destructive. Um, and, and some are worse than others. And so I think people um, fairly see this as kind of the one area of crime where we just see these people get in and out and they can't be cured. Well, you know, look, I write a book on assessing dangerousness, which deals with sexual offenses, dangerous offenders, high-risk offenders. And the reality is the rates of recidivism with respect to sex offenses is rather low. Um, Sentencing is rather high. For those who are serious repeat offenders who have no chance of rehabilitation, there is the dangerous offender regime, which has been uh, modeled in a way now through amendments where it does not necessarily lead to an indeterminate sentence. Those provisions are used quite often uh, in cases of serious sexual offenses. So 
you know, I, you know, Alex, I, I like to banter with you, but I don't <laughs> see the same, you know, I don't yeah. see the same, you know, revolving door in this case. And I defend a ton of sexual assault cases. Not all are created equal. And the problem with a five-year mandatory minimum means one where it involves, you know, certain touching as opposed to one that involves more serious invasive action, you can't sentence them all the same. And I don't know how he wants to meet this out because a sex assault is a sex assault and our criminal code of sexual interference is the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think this is misguided. It's going to lead to more constitutional challenges. We don't need this. We need to focus on other issues. Criminal justice system is focusing well. People are getting meaningful sentences for serious crimes, and there never will be a penalty sufficient to deal with the, the harm and the injury to those who are affected as victims. And that's a shame, but that's just the way it is. Well, then how can they get it right? Because without question, and certainly in the last year, and we've talked about these cases of people that seem to be getting either, you know, more of a rehabilitational approach where people, the, the general public in Canada just don't see the justice system as delivering justice. Well, that's because they're not coming to the courts. The reality is the best way to get your information is go to the source. You know, there's few sensational cases that's going to be reported on, or there's some cases that will get high attention, which will not necessarily be any type of a meaningful survey of what's going on in the criminal justice system. And there are significant sentences being meted out for cases where people are offenders. So let's say there's somebody involved in a potential luring case uh, with a sexual assault of of a small child. You know, sentences are starting at three, four, five years, mm-hmm. and there's no escaping that. And and uh, the range of sentences there was set out by the Court of Appeal. So a mandatory minimum doesn't really mean anything. What it means is constitutional challenges. Mm-hmm. So I invite the public to come down to the courts and watch what goes on. And that's where you're going to get your best information. Not, you know, not them saying that you're being misleading in any way because you know how I love and respect you. But the reality is those that are reported on are really the rarity and um, there is there, our jails are full. So it, there, some build more, Joe, just build more, you know, well, I'm sure the conservatives <laughs> will be happy to do that with their tax dollars. Well, you <laughs> know, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but uh, I digress. All right, Joe, thank you very much. I guess that campaign promise is uh, dust, but we'll uh, we'll see how it plays in the court of public right. opinion. Thank you, sir. Take care, Alex. Have All a great show. Bye. Bye. Joe Newberger joining us tonight. Always a good time. Good sport here on point on Global News Radio.